وجعل النور من الظلم فمخرج الصبر من الألم وملقي التوبة على الندم فنشكره على المصائب كما نشكره على النعم ونصلي على رسوله الأكرم الشرف الأشم والنور الأتم والكتاب المحكم وكمال النبيين والخاتم سيد ولد آدم الذي بشر به عيسى بن مريم ودعا لبعثته إبراهيم عليه السلام حين كان يرفع قواعد بيت الله المحرم فصلى الله عليه وسلم وعلى أتباعه خير الأمم الذين بارك الله بهم كافة الناس العرب منهم العجم فالحمد لله الذي لم يتخذ ولدا ولم يكن له شريك في الملك ولم يكن له ولي من الذل وكبره تكبيرا والحمد لله الذي أنزل على عبده الكتاب ولم يجعل له عوجا والحمد لله الذي نحمده ونستعينه ونستغفره ونؤمن به ونتوكل عليه ونعوذ بالله من شرور أنفسنا ومن سيئات أعمالنا من يهده الله فلا مضل له ومن يضلل فلا هادي له ونشهد أن لا إله إلا الله وحده لا شريك له ونشهد أن محمدا عبد الله ورسوله أرسله الله تعالى بالهدى ودين الحق ليظهره على الدين كله وكفى بالله شهيدا فصلى الله عليه وسلم تسليما كثيرا كثيرا أما بعد فإن أصدق الحديث كتاب الله وخير الهدي هدي محمد صلى الله عليه وسلم وإن شر الأمور محدثاتها وإن كل محدثة بدعة وكل بدعة ضلالة وكل ضلالة في النار قال الله عز وجل في كتابه الكريم بعد أن أقول أعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم ولا تسعر خدك للناس ولا تمشي في الأرض مرحا إن الله لا يحب كل مختال فخور رب شحل صدري ويسر لي أمري وحل العقدة باللسان يقه قولي واللهم ثبتنا عند الموت بلا إله إلا الله واللهم اجعلنا من الذين آمنوا وعملوا الصالحات وتواصوا بالحق وتواصوا بالصبر آمين يا رب العالمين I'm going to continue speaking with you about um, ayah number 18 of Surah Luqman today uh, and in this surah or in this ayah there was the last portion that phrase that Allah mentions about the advice given by Luqman to his son that I didn't yet cover last time we talked about uh, not going around in the land or going around in the outside world aimlessly and uh, reacting to situations and not holding on to your values I explained the meanings of the word marah when we were doing that exercise. Today, I'm gonna to talk to you about these, this phrase that doesn't just occur here, it occurs elsewhere too. So I think it's the, the first thing to note is the importance of that. Here he says, Allah does not love um, any of the people who are two things. They're, the Arabic words are muhtal and fakhur. So we're gonna dig into those words. But it's really interesting that those words have been said by Allah himself in other places. Why is that important? Because here Allah is quoting a human being. Allah is saying that He granted Luqman wisdom and He said that. And in other places it's Allah Himself saying that. So there's a difference between when Allah speaks and when a human being is being cited by the Qur'an, endorsed. And you would think first somebody learns the words from Allah Azza wa Jal and then they, you know, that, then they re reiterate them. But you've got the reverse here. Allah inspired this person to share these words and then later on, Allah Himself is endorsing those words as officially His also. So it's not just wisdom He gave to this one man and His son, to, to, to be imparted to His son, but it's actually something that's universal. So it's a pretty powerful thing when these, these are called the falasil in the Qur'an, meaning ends of ayat that are often coined and they get repeated. Many of you are familiar with Wallahu Ghafoor Rahim, for example. Right? Those are they're called fawasil. They're the fasila of the ayah, the far end of the ayah. Right? So some of these fawasil in the Qur'an are a way of the Qur'an teaching us its most standard teachings. 
think of them think of these falasa like the pillars of a building right so you're every you're, you've got walls you've got windows you've got all kinds of elements in construction but every every few meters or every few feet you got to run into a structural column or a pillar of some kind or a structural beam even going horizontally across these endings these statements in the quran like la'allakum tattaqun or wallahu yuhibbul muhsinin wallahu ghafurur rahim those statements aren't just conclusions to ayat the fact that they're repeated so much are actually you can think of them as those, those are the foundational teachings those are the the structural columns of this building of the quran and that's why they get repeated so much they're holding all the other teachings together right so that's that's a really good way to think about these fawasa and one when some of them are more repeated others are less repeated right so this is one of the lesser repeated ones but nonetheless when something does get repeated we know that it's something that it, that deserves extra attention allah didn't just say it once he repeated it multiple times now let's think about these two words uh, a little bit the first of these words is muhtal um, and it's you know if you look at the etymology the root of this word khayl uh, uh, is a very common word in Arabic for a beautiful horse. So horses, because they were the obsession of ancient Arabs, had many words. So when the Arabs are obsessed with something, they have lots of words for them. Um, I'm not very familiar with, you know, modern speak anymore, among, among, especially among teenagers. The vocabulary changes dramatically. But a car, for example, a nice car can have multiple names. You know, it's not just a ride or a vehicle. It could be a whip or it could be a whatever else, right? So it could be, you know, someone who's really in tune with the streets can tell you 20 words for a car, right? And they, they know each one. And that, this is actually a natural thing. So the Arabs are not some like geeky people that have exhaustive vocabulary that's complicated. They're just, they're people that experience life. They live outside. They're not people of the library and the university. They live in the desert. But for things that they appreciated, they had lots of words for them. And one of those words, obviously the Ferrari of the time, lots of horsepower, is a single horsepower, it's a horse, right? And so an Arabian horse like that, you know? So those horses, they had lots of different words illustrating different qualities of them. And this, this word is really interesting for the horse, al-khayl. Quran uses it for, uh, for, the, for the horse too, uh, and horses as a category. Because it, this, these letters, khayl, also give us the Arabic word khayal. And khayal, which came into other languages after too, is actually the word for imagination, is the, is the word for thought. So takhayal, even in modern Arabic today, takhayal is imagine, just imagine something, right? So the idea that this horse is as beautiful as you could imagine, or it captures the imagination of someone, or you know when you look at something and it takes you into a different world, Right, like when you, if, you're tra if you're driving and you pass by just this gorgeous house and for a few seconds you start imagining what it would be like to live in it. Right? Or if you, take your, if you make the mistake of ch taking your kids ever to like a toy store, you know, and because every aisle they're going through, their life is changing because they're seeing, because their eyes only fall on the expensive toys, right? They're not looking at the 99 cent, they're, they're not looking at that. They're looking at the big boxes that are you know, and these stores are really smart too. They put the most expensive toys at the bottom, most accessible. And they put the really cheap stuff way on the top where kids can't see it. So the, at the kid's height, there's all the $200 Lego sets, <laughs> you know? And the kid's looking at it and imagining their life transformed as they build this police station at home or something, you know? So the idea that when you see something and it captures your imagination, 
is actually embedded inside the word khayl. Like it's the, it's the desire of everyone. They're fantasizing about riding that kind of horse. Right? They're daydreaming about it. So it's, it's a dream, called a dream car, right? So it's their dream ride. Now, the, this word then also started getting used in the, in the iqtirab or ifti'al family uh, for ikhtiyal when someone has a very imaginative view of themselves. You know, have you ever heard the expression, get off your high horse? It's actually that in a very real sense. When someone starts imagining themselves to be someone they're actually not. When someone has a false perception of themselves. It's as if they're not seeing their real self, they're seeing their imagined self. That's a crazy thing. You know, when you look in the mirror, you see yourself. But actually, what the, what, a, a phenomenon in the world is, sometimes there's your real self, and there's the self that you want everybody else to see. There's a self that you want everybody else to be impressed with. Right? Or the, the, way you're, the, the way you speak when you're on your own, the way you feel. You could be someone very scared and vulnerable, and you could be someone very shy, and you know, someone not very sure of themselves, not very confident. But when you're among your friends, you're outspoken, and you're loud, and you're aggressive, and you're, you're just a completely different person. You just become a different person. You might have friends like that. When they're with you, they're totally normal. And then when you see them with their other friends, they become a different creature. They transform themselves completely. Because they allow others, the impression they want to give to others, to start shaping them. And when you do that enough times, when you let other people define how you should dress, how you should talk, how you should behave, then you start imagining a version of yourself that they will like, that will be cooler, right? And when you do that pretend enough times, then the real you starts getting suffocated and all you see is the pretend you. And the difference between the real you and the pretend you is a pretty big difference. And what's the biggest difference? The biggest difference between these two is that the real you actually cares about what's right and wrong. That's the ruh Allah put inside you. The real you actually is concerned about what is, what is beneficial and what is harmful. What makes sense and what doesn't make sense. Not just even in the religious sense, in life. The real you is a sensible, thoughtful, emotionally sensitive human being. You're a caring human being. But this fake self, this imagined self, this mukhtal self, this version of you, the only concern it has is, what are people going to think? How will this be perceived? So the only, all the actions are, so much of their actions are, uh, or that person's actions that lives inside you, the mukhtal, are based on what impression am I going to give if I dress like this, if I talk like this, if I hang out with this person. Oh, sorry, I can't be seen next to you because it looks bad. Or I can't say that because that looks bad. Or I can't dress like that because I'm not sure if that's okay. And that can become so powerful that you can have, for example, you know, there was a time, for example, even in Western societies, where modesty for women's clothing was actually the norm, right? And there were actually, you know, citations and even in churches, people looked down upon if they were dressed and too exposed and things like that. That's not Muslim society, that's Christian, even Jewish societies, right? And then with the modern, with the advent of post-modernism as the world transforms, now you have, for example, the dress code at a beach, right? And at a beach, people are practically not wearing any clothes. 
And when you go there, now the mindset was so changed that if you are dressed at a beach, you're made to feel weird. What are you doing? Why aren't you naked? Why aren't you practically naked? You know, why aren't you in your undergarments? Because this is the place that's normal here. In other words, perceptions of people, these same clothes, if you were one mile that way, you'd be humiliated. If you were in an office, you wouldn't imagine yourself that way. If you were at an airport, you'd be disgraced. But you, you tell yourself, this is normal here. It's, same, it's human eyes looking at you. You're in the public sphere. Nothing's actually changed other than sand and water. Right? But the imagined self is so powerful that it can make you leave your values. Something that even from a non-Muslim point of view, you were uncomfortable with it anywhere else. You became comfortable with it. Because of the perception. The perception is really important. And that, that bukhtal can actually drive so much of a person's life and people realize it's a, it's a really powerful thing to want to impress others. Right? There's a reason that when teenagers become more self-aware, they spend a lot of time in the mirror. They spend a lot of time in front of the mirror, boys and girls. Right? When, when kids are younger, they're like, <laughs> and they're not brushing their teeth, their hair's going all over the place. And they don't care. You know, they can wear the same shirt and their mom, because, is that the same shirt from last week? <laughs> I need to take you to a haircut. Oh, a haircut. I don't want to go. Right? But then as they get older and become more self-aware, now they're like, how are people seeing me? Are people going to comment on my clothes? Or on my shoes? Or on my backpack? Or on, the, on my socks? <laughs> Every, and now everything is about my impression, my appearance is being taken into consideration. The word muhtal actually suggests that it, this is someone who lives only for the, to, to maintain a perception and an image. They're no longer authentic. If they can't even be true to themselves, how can they be true to anybody else? How can they even appreciate truth itself? The thing about truth, by the way, is that it's always uncomfortable. Truth always makes somebody uncomfortable. Truth is always a difficult pill to swallow. So by definition, truth is not good for your public image. Truth is not good for, your, for how people might perceive you. Go with the flow, now that's way easier. You understand? Prophets والسلام, were the most humiliated people in the world by their own nations because they wouldn't let go of the truth. And some of the most... So people that enjoy the most prestige and people that enjoy the most high class in society, you'll notice something, lying and making sure perception and PR is their top priority are, are people that they, they see that that is the key to their success. That's how they associate that with their success. So what, what is it then? You know what it is? What, what, why, I'm taking the time to explain this to you for what basic reason. The basic reason is when you have that mukhayyal, that, that, that imagined version of yourself that wants to impress others, your goal becomes to acquire the love of people. Your goal has become to acquire the love of people. With that in mind, listen to what Allah says. Wallahu la Allah, in fact, He doesn't love anybody who's muhtal. He's not going to give His love to someone who is obsessed with giving their love, their, obsessed with running after the love of everyone else. So he, there's, a, there's a remarkable statement here by Allah We're not even getting to fakhur yet, because Allah is drawing a contrast, subhanahu wa ta'ala. 
It's also important to note that this is a jumla ismiya. What that um, I won't get too grammatical with you, but the the point is al ithbatu ala al fa'il, which in simple English means it isn't Allah who loves people like that, but others do. There are others who will feed your fake self. There are others who will put thumbs up on your you know filtered pictures, and there are others who are going to comment and 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 boast and and further. That, that fake version, and encourage that fake version to keep going, to, to, to feed it even more and more. And it becomes a self-fulfilling, propelling thing, you know. And now that love, and you have people that just, you know, especially now in the world of social media, it's all about perception, isn't it? It's all about image, right? And what happens? And these people that are so obsessed with their image and coming across a certain way, then somebody secretly video records them in a conversation somewhere where their real self which they've been starving, and the real, what the real self of you has kindness in it, has mercy in it, has fairness in it, has courtesy, has these good qualities in it, right? But when you keep starving it, those qualities start disappearing. So your real self becomes ugly, the more your fake self is beautified. So somebody secretly records the real ugly self, and then they're getting slammed online and exposed for who they really are, and all this stuff because there was... There was no feeding being done to the inner self, right? That, that wasn't being done. But this, people like that, they, they'll gain massive followings and say, I love all you guys, I love all my fans. You don't. You don't love any of them. If any of them were, were in pain, you'd feel pain? What's the definition of love? Love means you want good for someone else. What's the definition of the love of a mother for a child? She wants to protect the child. She wants to make sure the child is being taken care of. She wants well-being for the child. She wants good for their future. That's love, isn't it? Love isn't, I love you, now praise me. I, I love you for praising me. <laughs> I love you for complimenting me. That's my love for you. Thank you so much. No, that's not, none of this is real. All of this is fake. Fake on top of fake on top of fake. And he, this father, tells his son, when you go out there, a lot of people will live that fake life. And they feed each other that fake life. When you're going to go out there, you're going to meet a lot of those people. And that's why, Wallahu la yuhibbu kulla muhtalin. Kulla is actually for jamia, right? For, for a large group. All or every. So he's saying you're going to run into a lot of people like that in life. And you might become one of those too. You, might, you and I, all of us have an element of that in us, but it's got to stay under control until it doesn't become us. It doesn't take over us. Then the, the next quality that Allah mentions, it's almost as if, you know how a disease evolves and become, mutates and you know you can go you have you can have somebody who has like a, a, a disease at stage one and he can go to stage two and stage three like that it gets worse and worse and worse so from muhtal which is an ism, ism fa'il now we get to the word fakhur which is actually siratul mubalagha which is actually a hyperbolized noun like an extreme noun so when you see words that sound like fakhur in arabic like shakur is extremely grateful Right? Or ghafur is extremely forgiving. Allah's name, extremely forgiving. Okay? So, here, or wadud is extremely loving. One of Allah's names, al wadud. Like extremely loving. So, here you've got fakhur, which is extremely. Now, what, how do we translate that? You can say extremely prideful. Well, one way you can think about that is extremely prideful. So, let's dig into this word just a little bit. Really fascinating word. Uh, they say, nakhlatun fakhur, azimatul jidh. When you have a, a, a palm tree 
that's very thick. Like it's, you look at the, just the bark of it, you didn't even look up, right? Because the, the real stuff in a palm tree is at the top, right? When you look at the base of the palm tree and the stem of the palm tree, the bark of that tree, it's really thick. You're like, wow, this is nice. And actually, when you, you can't really tell the quality of the tree until you make the effort to climb all the way to the top. And when you get to the top, the, the, the meaning of it is saf, meaning the, the leaves are hard, dried up, meaning it has no life, it can't give any fruit. It looks so big and impressive, it gave the impression that it's so incredible, but it's actually dead. It can't give me any fruit. They, that, that's the word fakhur for it, palm tree. The al-ma'al-mihmari, or, or there's actually others, al-fakhur min al-ibl. They say the, the fakhur is used for camels too. Al-azimatu al-dar'a al-qalilatu al-laban. When camels gave birth, then they look like they're going to give a lot of milk. They, their body inflates, right? And their udders inflate. So they look like the babies can drink a lot of milk from it. But the kind of camel that would have large udders and its babies would come to drink milk from it, but no milk is coming out of it. They would call that fakhur. Meaning it looks so impressive that it's going to give so much milk, but nothing's coming out. And even the, the camel owner was hoping that they can store some milk and you know, replenish themselves, feed their families, all this stuff, but nothing's coming out of it. So it was a false advertising kind of thing. So you see the commonality between the tree and the camel so far in the word fakhur. Similarly, uh, they use this word for al-busr uh, When they have a big... Uh, big date, you know, no, normally dates are smaller size, but some are really, you know, big. And when you have a bigger date, you're like, man, if I get the seed from this date, and I can plant it and grow that tree, I'm going to get a lot more big dates, right? So uh, when they open up that date, and there's no seed inside. So it looked like it's going to have, but it doesn't have inside. So the common, and, and from it came the word fakhar, which is pottery, which is soil, which is so rich, but when it becomes dry, then it becomes pottery, right? And it looks so hard, and it looks so solid, but pottery is one of the weakest solids in existence. A little small drop, and what's going to happen to it? It's going to smash into pieces, right? So it, ha it's, it actually becomes, and so much thick, heavy soil goes into it, but by the time it's dried up and turned into pottery, it becomes very light and brittle. So in all of the, the idea of fakhur, first and foremost, is a person who looks very impressive, who gives the impression of being very impressive, and shows off how impressive they are. Fakhr actually be became one of the words for pride, right? And this is different from arrogance. Maybe in the next khutbah, when we get to that next day, I'll share that difference with you too. But for now at least, what I'd like you to get, get, get through is Allah doesn't love this quality. Now what is this quality? This quality is someone who knows they have nothing on the inside. They, the, their real self has nothing actually to offer. But they really want people to be impressed with them. Right? So first, they let others dictate their perception of themselves. And now, they want to present this, out, this disguise. They're literally wearing a disguise now because of that imagined self. And they're, they're inflating it constantly, constantly, constantly. And this kind of a person is fakhur. This is why the people that are the most obscene and the people that are the most condescending, they talk down to others, etc., are usually the people that are the most insecure themselves. Like deep down inside, they're really scared that somebody might discover their real self. And that's the, it's just in the words themselves, Allah has exposed what fakhur is. Because you know, when you come to 
a new society. Like when you guys go to school and you see those kids that are like dressed cooler and they're talking and they're more popular and everybody looks like, man, I wish I could be in that. I could still on that table. I wish I could be with them. They're the cool ones. You know what Allah is basically exposing? That each one of them is trying really hard to hide what they really are. Each one of them is showing you a disguise. And you're just impressed with what you see on the outside. But when, when the real, when, 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 you know, when, when the situation arrives, arises, that the, the union that they have disappears. Those are not real relationships because those people aren't even real with themselves. They can't be real with you. So when time comes and you're in trouble, they disappear. You know, the, the most genuine friends you will have are people that don't have these qualities. And he's actually saying, by the way, when we, as a believer, we love what Allah loves, we hate what Allah hates. When Allah says Allah doesn't love these kinds of people, He's not just telling us, don't become this kind of person. He's also telling us, He didn't say Allah hates those people. He says Allah doesn't love those people. There's a difference. Allah is not and so Allah didn't say He hates. He says He doesn't love, which means I need to stop being in love with that kind of an environment. I need to get myself out of this fake scene. I need to put myself in an environment that Allah loves, around people that Allah would love me for, to be around. I need to assess, am I just going to party after party after some people like live the, 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 the gatherings, like the weddings parties life. Other people live the club scene or whatever. Other people live the you know, college party scene or just the, the hangout, right? In, in any one of those, there can be genuine get, gatherings. And then there are just, everybody's just dressed to pretend how happy they are. Right? You know, there's a family fighting each other to death on the way to the wedding, dressed the most beautiful they've ever dressed. Everybody's yelling at everybody. And then when they get there, and they take this happy picture, like, you know, beautiful memories. And when they think about that wedding, all they're thinking about is that was, that was one of the worst nights of my life. Remember what you said to me in the car? Remember what you did? Yeah, you look really nice though. <laughs> so, like, looks, look one way on the outside and something else on the inside. And Allah says He doesn't love that about an individual. So this is not for me to comment on everybody and what they're like. First of all, it is, do I have that inside myself? Do I have that inside myself? And if I sense that that's, the priori that's become the priority, if all the conversation is about what kind of clothes, where did you get that made? What, did you, what are you wearing? Hey, I saw you got a new car. Oh, you moved to that neighborhood? Shallow things, material things, you know, things that don't in the end won't matter. As opposed to you sitting and having a, a meaningful, rich conversation about something that actually matters. Something that actually helps someone. That actually, that actually helps someone broaden their understanding about something. We all know the difference between real conversation, meaningful conversation, and meaningless conversation. That's powerful advice from Allah. Wallahu la yuhibbu kulla muhtalin fakhur. Finally, I'll share with you by using the word la yuhibbu. Allah has given us kind of an ishara in this ayah that these are things that are easy to fall in love with. In, like, it, there, there's an attractiveness to them. There's a magnetic field in that environment. Once you get sucked in, it's hard to pull yourself out. Right? And so Allah is actually saying, in, implying here, when you start, the only way to pull yourself out is you develop in yourself a need to make yourself feel loved by Allah. Like you have to feel the need, Allah, I really want, I don't want to be any kind of person that you don't love. And then how do you get Allah to love you? It's pretty easy. 
Allah didn't say, climb this mountain and I will love you. And do this, 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 and I will love you. Allah, in, this, in these ayat, the formula is so simple. Just don't do this, I, automatic, I already love you. Just don't lose my love. Right? It's not, you don't have to earn Allah's love. Just don't unearn it. <laughs> that's, that's the beauty of the phrase. Right? Everybody else, you have to work to earn their love. With Allah, the love of Allah is already there. It's just, don't undo it. Don't, don't disqualify yourself from it. Maintain it. Just stay away from these poisonous things that hurt you. And why would Allah not love someone? We can say, what kind of God doesn't love His creation? No, the point is that if you don't have a genuine relationship with yourself, then you're not even in touch with, I'm not even in touch with my own heart. And Allah, the love of Allah is felt inside the heart. The, the matter, the, at, the, at, the, at the end of it all, what this boils down to is where we stand in the, in the state of affairs of our own hearts. May Allah give us clean hearts. And may Allah remove from us the need to be prideful, to show off. I actually didn't get to address the three things that I put in the title of this khutbah. Uh, you know, pride, I talked about pride, but I didn't talk about confidence and humility. So I'll leave that off for inshallah ta'ala, the next uh, khutbah. Because all those three things should be looked at comprehensively. Uh, and and uh, this passage does a remarkable job of tying all of those three things together. So with that, I conclude today's khutbah. Barakallahu li wa lakum fil Qur'an al-Hakim wa nafa'ani wa iyaakum al-ayati wa dhikr al-Hakim. Alhamdulillah wa kafa wa salatu wa salamu ala ibadihi al-lazina astafa khususan ala afdalihim wa khatamin nabiyyin Muhammadin al-Amin wa ala alihi wa sahbihi ajma'in qala Allahu azza wa jal fi kitabihi al-kareem ba'da an aqula a'udhu billahi minash shaytan al-rajim inna allaha wa malaikatahu yusalluna ala nabi ya ayyuhal lazina amanu sallu alayhi wa sallimu taslima Allahumma salli ala muhammadin wa ala ali muhammad kama sallayta ala ibrahim wa ala ali ibrahim fi al-alamin innaka hamidun majid Allahumma barik ala muhammadin wa ala ali muhammad kama barakta ala ibrahim وعلى آل إبراهيم في العالمين إنك حميد مجيد عباد الله رحمكم الله اتقوا الله إن الله يأمر بالعدل والإحسان وإيتاء ذي القربة وينهى عن الفحشاء والمنكر ولا ذكر الله أكبر والله يعلم ما تصنعون أقم الصلاة إن الصلاة كانت علم منينا كتابا موقوتا